Hello, witchy friends. Welcome to Cat Steen Witchcraft. My name is Fauna, and I am your host. This podcast is for those who are Wiccan, witches, and everything in between. Don't forget to follow the podcast social media pages at Cats Tea and Witchcraft on Instagram, Cats Tea and Witch on Twitter, and Cats Tea and Witchcraft Podcast at gmail.com. Again, thank you for listening to Cats Tea and Witchcraft and enjoy the episode. Hello, witchy peeps. Welcome back to the podcast. This is episode 96, and today's episode was originally supposed to just be an interview with a practitioner and also talk about their experiences working in a metaphysical or crystal shop, whatever you want to call it, but it ended up turning into a more informative episode on a particular topic that I didn't expect, and that is on chaos magic. So you'll get an interview, a lesson, and just some cool conversations about Someone who has experience managing a crystal witchy metaphysical shop. And today, because there is a lot going on in the interview episode, I am going to give this week a break from having an herb or a plant. And also, I'm just a little tired and want to focus more on editing the actual interview this week. So next week, we will return back to the herb of the week. So let's jump into today's episode. Okay, everybody, like I was saying in the beginning of the episode, we have another guest today, and this is a new guest. You might know him as So Ill, So Strange on social media, but also his name is Dalton, and he is a practitioner, but also one of the big reasons I brought him on today, we'll talk about a little later in the episode, is his experience in working in metaphysical shops. And those are some of our favorite places to go as witches. Ah, hello everyone. Uh, my name is Dalton, a.k.a. So Ill, So Strange. And uh, I'm uh, I'm just happy to be here, Fauna. Thank you so much for having me on. Yeah, no problem. I, have, I think I've been following you on Twitter for a while and I've liked a lot of things you said and I've seen some of the things that you say about working in a shop. And it's it's interesting because like I've never worked in one of them, but I've worked in retail before. Mm-hmm. And then I can only imagine the interesting things that go on in a metaphysical shop. Oh yeah. There's it it, it is a strange place to work. Um I have had a couple kind of like interesting niche jobs. I worked in a at a record store for a long time. Oh, that's um, another particular one, yeah. Yeah. And so I've I found the more sort of uh niche it gets the kind of stranger some of the experiences you tend to maybe have with clientele now obviously the occult shop is a very different end of that than um, the record store because records don't come with um you know (laughs) spiritual uh belief and 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 all and all that stuff music can be religious to some people but it's like a totally like oh yeah yeah. it's own brand but uh Yeah. It's, not, it's not quite that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, that, oh my gosh. Um, that's funny though. But like we were talking earlier, there's one thing I really did want to go over with you. And that is how you identify yourself as a practitioner. How about you dive into that a little bit and then just tell the listeners a little bit more about yourself, depending on how you want to gracefully uh, ease into that or <laughs> ungracefully, depending on how sure. crazy the story is. Sure. Um, 
Yeah, well, I don't think there's um, in a whole lot to it other than mm-hmm. I think that wizard is, you know, the word that I like to use to describe myself, I guess, if, if I'm describing myself. Yes. Um, but it, it 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 comes with some baggage. So I, I, I think, first of all, it's just the word that makes me feel the most empowered. Mm-hmm. As a practice, as as a practitioner, and that is important. That's yeah, a big thing. No, absolutely. And um, you know, depending on who you ask or where you look back to, you might find that some people tend to divide wizard from witch or warlock or whatever um, as being kind of less of a, a spiritual being and more just like some dude who happens to know some magic and is wise. Um, I don't really, that's not what I'm trying to get at (laughs) with it at all. Um, once again, it really is just the term that resonates the most with me, uh, and makes me feel the most powerful, just drawing on those traditional images of, uh, you know, things like Gandalf or I don't know, Dungeons and Dragons, Mm -hmm. cool wizards spray painted on the side of vans, whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, but the baggage now really is that a lot of people, if I say wizard, they just think I'm like LARPing Harry Potter. So I, there's a, there are certain times where I'm going to choose witch uh, over wizard just to be, to make it clear with that one word that what I'm doing is not <laughs> that. Have you experienced any actual like negative feedback from people like either in person or online that made you choose to do that over the other or was it just kind of something you were conscious about prior to that decision i think that i have never really connected with the title witch mm-hmm. and until more more recently i i think i have but i've been at this for you know, quite some time. I yeah. started really getting into the occult probably when I was around 20 or 21. I'm 35 now. So, you know, it's, it's been a little while and there's been some evolution, obviously. Mm-hmm. And, and I think it took me a long time to just kind of embrace that word witch. Um, and it's, I'm, and I, I still feel like I'm trying it on, honestly, but I've, I've been doing witchcraft for a while now, but I still feel like I'm trying it on because it's such a loaded term too. Yes. Wizard comes with a lot less baggage. Um, and a, and a lot less to sort of explain sometimes. So, you know, I, I the, the only negative thing to it that I have encountered is I think somewhere along the line, there were some strange right wing jokers that were calling themselves wizards. Mm. I don't think it had I don't th- know that it had anything to do with actual magic or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they were incels. I'm not really sure, to be honest with you. I didn't really mm. give, give it m- much time. But uh, in order to kind of delineate the way that I'm using wizard from those people or the sort of the Harry Potter people yeah. and look, nothing against Harry Potter. I mean, maybe jk rowling but whatever you know like what you like it's not it's not my cup of tea but i digress i spell it differently i spell it Mm -hmm. w w y z a r d and it's just it's just like that thing of you know magic with a c versus magic with a ck if 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 you want to use it that way right Mm -hmm. um just to you know this is this is real this is real magic. It's not just a, you know, we're not, I'm not LARPing and I'm not just using the title sort of facetiously or something. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I think it just helped me. I saw more of myself in a character like Gandalf. I mean that in the least narcissistic way possible. Yeah. 
<laughs> you connected to that you know, character and that archetype. <laughs> right. Much more than I connected um, maybe with the archetype that you'd think of with Witch. Mm-hmm. And I think some of that had to do with growing up with a friend whose family was pagan. Mm-hmm. And who were, I'm well, to the best of my knowledge, some sort of, some shade of Wiccan. And so I knew these were people that were out there. I knew this was a thing. And I, I sort of understood that, which was kind of a specific thing. And I didn't for a long time think a lot of that. Mm-hmm. I just, you know, when I was a young man, I was, I was raised Southern Baptist first off, mm-hmm. start there. By the time I was I was out of high school, I was firmly atheist, mm-hmm. and, and 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 I mean enough so like ideologically to be in like the atheists and agnostics club at at my junior college to debate the like resident Calvinists. <laughs> um, so both for the for both of those phases of my life, growing up Southern Baptist and then being you know staunchly atheist, I thought you know how ridiculous all of that witchcraft stuff was and i thought all about most organized religion because i was very jaded by it all and from my experiences with it and 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 and, you know that was a lot of stuff that it took a long time to get over too but it took me a long time to even not have a negative connotation of that word witch of Mm -hmm. people who i thought were just playing around and didn't really you know weren't really contacting anything they were just sort of you know, they might as well be at a Renaissance fair is what I thought for a long time. And oh, how the turntables turn. <laughs> what kind of caused that change? Because it, from being raised Southern Baptist into kind of knowing some people that were in the community a little bit, but then going to become in that agnostic atheist group, which can be various levels of intensity and then transforming into what you are now like what kind of sparked it or was it a slow progression of you just always questioning things and you just kind of tried to resist like how'd that work i think that i've always been fascinated by the paranormal and by things outside of consensus reality Mm -hmm. that started when i was very young my 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 dad my dad really got me into that uh, he would back in the era of VHS tapes. He would record everything on, on uh, ghosts, aliens, cryptozoology, what, etc., and so forth that he mm-hmm. could. And he would, and we just had these tapes um, of all the stuff taped off of very early, like Discovery Channel and stuff. When they really, st- when that stuff really started, not even being popular, but just existing, yeah. you know. And um, I used to watch a show called Sightings, which is an old. It was this was a '90s show. Um, and it had, and it was basically kind of set up as a news show for like the paranormal. Mm-hmm. Um, and th- that stuff really turned me on very early to just to being fascinated by the other kind of, and to, and things that were, you know, strange and unusual. And he, he had a lot of like the, the time life mysteries of the unknown books and, and a lot of, you know, books on ghosts, Hans Holzer and things like that. And just being exposed to that started it. Yeah. But I, I know what really broke it open, you know, and and kind of played on that sense of wonder, which was, I think when I was probably 20, mm-hmm. um, I saw a DVD burned copy of Disinfocon, which was a company called Disinformation, which is around in the early 2000s. I, they might still be around, but, you know, they were doing a lot of stuff in the early 2000s. Um, and it was 
a lot of magic, a lot of like weird counterculture and kind of strange things. Um, they had a show. This was a convention they, they had, and they had a lot of people talking at that convention. And this is my first exposure to not only who I'm, who I'm talking about here, which is Grant Morrison and his lecture at this, at this disinformation convention, but also, but also to Robert Anton Wilson, who's been another huge, huge influence on my, my thinking and my path. But there was an, yeah, Grant Morrison, who is a comic book writer, a Scottish comic book writer. He is also a chaos magician. Okay. Um, And, and he, he, he gave a lecture at this convention on chaos magic and kind of just blew my mind open because it was I think it was really the first time that I had heard someone really talk seriously about magic from a scientific model kind of point of view mm-hmm. intelligibly yeah and convincingly yes and it was very fascinating and I did, and and one of the things that he kind of goes to in that interview if you and you could find this on youtube grant morrison disinfocon easy it's out there it's great by the way you should all watch it (laughs) if you haven't um (laughs) you're interested in this kind of thing but um he's kind of like you know i read crowley and these Mm -hmm. guys and i thought well are they talking crap you know is this stuff real and he went out and did it and you know sort of the, the that's the burden of proof is don't take it from me go out and do it and see what happens yeah and I thought, well, okay, reasonable enough, right? <laughs> um, let's 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 try it out. And then he gave very simple instructions for sigil magic, um, the the old chaos version where you know you take out all of the consonants and repeating syllables and um, or uh, <laughs> you know what I'm saying, uh, consonants, <laughs> and you end up with. You end up with a string of letters and you make them into a sigil and you launch it off however you're going to do it. And mm-hmm. I did, and I did it and I experimented with it and the results were, you know, pretty undeniable. And it really was all downhill from there. <laughs> um, I was going, you know, getting, getting into chaos magic, got into Crowley and, and flirted with uh, Thelema for a while. And then I kind of took a little bit of a sabbatical, came back around and started reading more broadly mm-hmm. about magic and uh, throughout the ages and kind of getting a picture of what that, some of that looked like, um, a, you know, a history of that across various cultures and traditions. And then um, settled into really just deciding that I wanted to seriously study witchcraft and practice yeah. that and okay. so i've been and so i've been and so i've been there for a while but there's a lot of layers back there you know in the back of my head i'm still a chaos magician too which feels very odd mm-hmm. <laughs> but um you know it all works together that sounds really cool and it sounds like you initially stepped into chaos magic before maybe what some people would consider like traditional or like revival magic yeah. or whatever people are calling I it. I skipped all that. <laughs> yeah. So for those, I feel like, and I don't know a lot about chaos magic, and I feel like there are a lot of people who are confused about what chaos magic actually is, and I don't yeah. think I've actually talked about it very much or got a very good <laughs> definition on this particular podcast. Do you mind describing that a little bit? Because I know it definitely interests people because it sounds edgy as fuck. 
So like beyond what witchcraft (laughs) already is, people like to go extra edgy sometimes. So what is chaos magic? It's, um, first off, chaos magic really defies definition by its nature. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's, so it's tough, right? Off the bat. And I'm going to preface this by saying that if you really want to get a, a, a pretty good idea of what chaos magic big quotes is, um, because defining it is, is tough. Uh, I would go out and I would read Phil Hine. I would read condensed chaos, which is one of the first books on chaos magic that I ever read and is probably the best, uh, well, it's certainly the best intro to chaos magic I've ever read. And, and definitely, um, I think gives kind of a better idea um, mm-hmm. though I think even his ideas have changed a bit over the years, but you gotta start somewhere. Yeah. Um, so I think that rather than saying what chaos magic is, I will give you some traits of it. <laughs> Got it. Um, first off, I would say using belief as a tool, which is kind of the idea that through intense belief, we can make magic easier. I think that some people would say that belief is the whole thing, that if essentially if you can believe something hard enough, which which is tough in itself, that sounds easy, but it's not. Um, you really have to usually, to get there just on belief, you'd have to make such an intricate system. Mm-hmm. Um, you'd have to devote so much time. So what becomes easier, I think, is to use belief which you know is 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 malleable within ourselves to just try to enter a temporary state of belief into an already constructed paradigm okay um which once again that's really really tough to just go you know what i'm gonna be christian this month or i'm gonna be or whatever it is you know i'm going to enter this complete belief state of whatever it is I'm working with and using that and that that's going to empower your magic. And I think some people would say that that is your magic. I do not believe that at all. Um, So is it more of a form of studying and learning and then combining things? It can be. Can be. Okay. Yeah, it can be. Um, it can also just be completely creating your own. Okay. Um, it can really by nature be just about whatever you want it to be, which sounds silly, but it's kind mm-hmm. it's kind of true. And I think there's been like this dialogue I've seen a lot online of like, well, chaos magic just it's not just whatever you want it to be, it has to be X, Y, and Z, and then LC Phil Hine or some other chaos magic kind of like really big name just be like well yeah but also it can kind of be whatever you want it to be and i'm just like okay so i (laughs) i don't know um (laughs) it is it is ill-defined but i think it's chaotic great it is very chaotic but i think first the first off you really need to go back to that um using belief as a tool Mm -hmm. and experimenting with that idea but also there is i think another end of it which is that is kind of like these um, almost like sleight of mind tricks is what I would call them. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think it works a lot sort of to paraphrase Crowley, like by, by, by performing certain actions, we get certain results. 
and you shouldn't really be too concerned whether it is something outside of yourself that is performing it or just sort of the, the sleight of mind thing. And it's just mm -hmm. happening because this is, um, but it works. Mm -hmm. And so that's like the sigil magic, which is a really central thing that you'll see over and over when you go back to chaos. Mm -hmm. um, this is kind of the big form of magic that's really associated with that school. Um, it is just a it, it's almost like folk magic you do okay. this you do this certain little you know function you you write down your desire you take out your repeating consonants and vowels and well maybe vowels depending on who you're talking to but whatever um and you are you know you end up with a string of letters and you make it into a sigil and then you fire it off into the universe through either visualization or some sort of stimulation mm -hmm. or meditation and it just works there's no okay. there's no belief there it just works right yeah and so these things are also a part of chaos magic as well and they don't really hinge on that idea of belief so the mm -hmm. the belief thing is a trait of it but it's not in, intrinsic it, okay. it 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 just it's one of the things you can work with, right? Um, I think chaos is more than anything a way of seeing things. Okay. And I think that it is an ability to remain flexible and agnostic about okay. certain things. Um, and so I'll, I'll, I'll illustrate it with actually an exercise, which is from a book called Prometheus Rising by Robert Anton Wilson, who's the other guy that was on that disinformation um, lecture and whose books are really fantastic. I mean, if you haven't read Prometheus Rising, it's a great read. But the first exercise I think he gives in the book is called the quarter exercise. Okay, so you sit down and you visualize a quarter. Visualize vividly that it's you're going to find this quarter, okay? Mm -hmm. And then you go out walking and 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 you look for a quarter and eventually you find you're going to find a quarter right like there's yeah. they're out there okay so then when you find this quarter you explain it to yourself you say well there's lots of quarters out there i just happened to find this quarter mm -hmm. and 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 that's it right so then you sit down and you you visualize again and you're going to find a quarter you go out looking for another quarter you find another quarter and this time you explain it by the alternate hypothesis that I manifested this quarter in the universe through this visualization. And then you repeat, you go back and you do it again and you go, you know what? It's just, there's lots of quarters out there. It's nothing. And you mm -hmm. find it and you do it again. And you, I manifested this and you go back and forth and you go back and forth. And what, what it's for, what it's good for is to keep you limber is to mm -hmm. keep you from falling too much into one school of thought and to show you that how you choose to think about it completely changes your entire experience because what you'll find is that when you know you're going out and you're looking for a quarter because you manifested it, mm -hmm. you might find that you find that quarter a lot easier and a lot quicker then when you know that you're looking for the quarter and it's just ah, you know there's just quarters out there it's fine yeah whatever but you you can only see that over time and by actually doing mm -hmm. the exercise and feeling the feelings that come with it and really 
getting the plasticity of belief that comes with that to really Mm -hmm. be able to summon up that agnosticism about how that quarter got there. Right. And Mm -hmm. I think that that is a really good approximation of what chaos is about is being able to not get too attached to one uh, belief system, to not get too attached to one way of looking at things, to remain limber and to consider things outside of what you might normally and um, I think that really is probably like the more like the essence of it and probably about as mm-hmm. close as I can really get to defining it. Okay. So would you say with that premise that there are a lot more people doing essentially what chaos magic could be than they realize? Because I, as a, I do identify as Wiccan, but with my solitary work and even within my coven, we experiment a lot with different types of magic. Like one ritual, mm-hmm. we can be doing one type and one we can do another, and we can might draw on this and we draw on that because we can and we like it and we want to see if it works and we do research and we'll pull in different things if it's culturally different types of magic and stuff. Does that kind of draw within the lines? Yeah, yeah. What it I could think... be? Or is it just something similar to what you would consider eclectic? I think craft? it's, well, I think it's kind of hazy you know, where yeah. that li- where that line gets drawn and it really just becomes yeah. more of a semantic thing than anything, I think. Okay. Um, but yeah, you know, t- to me, I think that there is something about eclecticism that smacks of chaos mm-hmm. a bit, you know. Um, I think that, you know, it could really just be when you start calling it that. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, so, you know, uh, to me... Are you doing chaos magic? I like maybe not, but is it mm-hmm. is it but is it kind of like chaos inspired? Is it is it smack of chaos? Yes, yes, it does. Okay, and, and yeah, Thank you for that explanation. Yeah, absolutely. I think a lot of magicians are probably incorporating elements of chaos into their practice without knowing it, and mm-hmm. I think that you know, obviously people all the time are doing magic without knowing it, which is a whole nother thing. Right. But (laughs) so, okay. Yeah. That, that's definitely a really cool explanation. And then you explain the exercise and everything. And I do feel like that will help some people who might be curious about it or may not realize what they're doing and they might actually be doing it, or it could help lead them into what chaos magic is. Cause I definitely know that is a topic that a lot of people either question or they're not sure where to start, or they're just like overall confused about it. And like you said, it can be confusing. Oh yeah, definitely understandable. I I do think that just going back to kind of those original um, books, like condensed Mm -hmm. chaos, or then maybe Peter Carroll, you would, you would, I think you need to read, Peter Carroll in order to kind of like really get the full picture, but I definitely, you should definitely go to Phil Hine first. Um, and that will become apparent to you when you pick up like Libernol, um, because it's kind of almost like a weird chaos grimoire. So Mm -hmm. you kind of, you know, reading something like condensed chaos, I think will inform you a lot more about what this is, what this is about. And Mm -hmm. then something like Libernol would be more of a, you know, something to draw on for inspiration, et cetera, and so forth, and to get a kind of a full idea of what it is. But I think that in general, if more witches were kind of would read those books and apply some of those things to their practice, that it would mm-hmm. advance them more than any witchcraft book they could buy to, to really get outside of what they're normally sort of how they're normally looking at it. 
and uh, yeah. and magic and the things that you kind of see over and over and over. Um, which, you know, no, like I get it. We see those things over and over and over for a reason, but chaos magic has a lot of different techniques, a lot of different mm-hmm. ideas and a lot of stuff that I think can really take a lot of people's practice probably to the next level and really kind of like change their, their view of all this for the better or maybe just, or for the more informed. <laughs> yeah. Okay. That's, that's really cool. I'm, I've actually added two, those two books to my do a card yeah. uh, i'm just yeah. i'm just like as you're saying it, i'm just like looking it up and i'm like okay let me just put this in so i can go back to it when i'm ready to like do another book haul yeah um, do it so i'm interested to see like what as i read them in the future like what and how my brain will process that information <laughs> yes i think i think you'll have a great time so before we just we could probably continue talking about chaos magic but For the sake of interview episode, how about we start talking to what you do at the shop? Do you own the shop? Are you an employee? How did you come across working at the shop? And what do you call it? Do you call it just an occult shop, metaphysical, or do you kind of rotate through what it is? Yeah, I think the best way to actually describe it would be a crystal shop because that's definitely how it started and definitely what we specialize in. Yeah. Um, But then, you know, I, I... more broadly a metaphysical shop because we do Mm -hmm. we have we have all the things you would kind of expect to have their books and cards and candles and all Mm -hmm. that um you know incense and accoutrements so you know um however you want to say it but we definitely put a focus on the gyms i feel like crystals definitely are a gateway for a lot of people (laughs) yeah well i think that yeah definitely for for kids and it it was for me i think you know yeah for me too for sure yeah i remember going to caves with my grandparents that was their thing like they wanted to take me somewhere we well we have a lot of caves right we're in southern illinois we have Mammoth Cave, not too far away. Merrimack Caverns, Cave and Rock, all these kind of places that are around. And yeah. so, we, so we would go, and you know, you go to uh, Mammoth Cave. They got a they got a pretty cool gift shop, <laughs> and uh, there's a <laughs> lot of there's a lot of crystals in there. And that was probably yeah. my first time, you know, seeing anything like that. And I remember grabbing like I don't know, a little piece of pyrite, and a yeah. little piece of uh, hematite, and being like, mm-hmm. ooh, they're so shiny. I love them. And just being, you know, like really obsessed with them. And I still have one of them um, actually, but uh, to this day, but so that was a love affair for me early on too. And I see kids get hooked on it all the time, right? Mm -hmm. They they come in and um, they see our big thing full of all the different tumbled stones and their eyes just light up. Yeah. And you can really kind of like feel through them, that, that magic, Mm -hmm. you know, they're really, um, having the time of their life out there and are just amazed and amazed at something that really just occurs naturally within the earth. And, um, you know, I think so much of magic is just about wonder Mm -hmm. and the, the potential for wonder. And, and that's really been taken out of the world a lot these days. Right. We Mm -hmm. know, we know everything, you know, everything is so certain and you can go read it in a book. You can look it up on Wikipedia and information is more readily available now than it has ever been. And Mm -hmm. uh, it's just going to continue to to go that direction. Right. And so wonder, I think kind of gets thrown out a little bit, unfortunately, um, because there's nothing that's not known. We, so many people think, right. Which is Mm -hmm. so far from the the case, but uh, to see it, really to see something as simple as a stone Mm -hmm. kind of 
in you know make that wonder happen for like a kid or, or even a grown adult person it's just uh, tangible it's physical yeah. you can actually feel it and see it mm-hmm. no you really can they just light up and um i it's powerful you know that's a powerful thing and it's it's i feel very like happy and kind of almost honored to be able to be the you know a person that that sort of does that yeah. um but yeah, so as far as like how I, I, I don't own the shop. I just manage it. Okay. I'm, the, I'm the store manager. So I, I kind of do the day-to-day kind of important stuff. And the mm-hmm. owner sets it back and gets a check. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> she, mm-hmm. she, does, she does a lot of work too. Uh, I was going in there and buying rocks, you know. Um, when she kind of had a place across town, she had like, I mean, literally a shed that she was mm-hmm. just selling rocks out of. And... I was like, well, gee, I'd like to go see what she has because I don't really, um, there's not really another place around mm-hmm. for that. You know, we're in a fairly, I mean, I don't know if like rural is, I guess it's the right word for it. We're, we're definitely kind of some sort of weird suburb. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, we're not a big place, you know, at all. Um, I, I think there's under 2,000 people in Energy, which is the, the store that, uh, or the mm-hmm. city the store is actually in. So, um, pretty, pretty small. Right. And so, you know, anywhere selling that kind of stuff near me, I was, I was interested in, and I was, and I was definitely going through like a mineral phase. Mm -hmm. Um, so I just got, kind of got to know the the owner and, um, when she expanded, when she got a new building, uh, you know, I told her that, uh, I would love to, you know, help out a little bit. I was employed, you know, pretty much full time at that point elsewhere in a kitchen, Mm -hmm. Um, but I kind of slowly worked my way into, uh, yeah, being the, being the manager there just by kind of knowing people, which is how, how these things tend to happen. Kids (laughs) be friendly to people. Yeah. (laughs) So with you being the manager, um, what sort of people come through? Like what sort of, is it a combo of just beginners or people who just want to look at the shiny rocks or is it a combo of people who are serious, people who are interested, and then people who are just in there for shits and giggles? Yeah, it's a huge cross-section of different kind yeah. of people, right? Um, I mean, I'd say um, actually the most common is probably just people who are kind of, whether they know what they're doing or not, kind of just yeah. see- seeking, you mm-hmm. know? They're curious. Mm-hmm. Um, this is the Bible Belt. So a lot of these people... Um, you know, they haven't gone too far. They have not seen a shop like this, especially the younger people. Um, and so they feel compelled to come in and see what's going on Mm -hmm. and just kind of see what's up and, uh, people that, you know, are interested kind of tangentially in spirituality. Um, it's kind of that, you know, new age, there's no real word for it. It's just kind of a conglomeration of different spiritual beliefs from different places. And, Mm -hmm. and, 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 you know, teach their own, whatever it is. Um, you know, we all need some rocks at the end of the day. Right. So I think that's like, it's, it's just a lot of that. And then, then, you know, honestly, it's just a lot of people who appreciate pretty things you know, some rock hounds and, 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 um, just, you know, there's a lot, there's a preponderance of kind of like teenage girls because mm-hmm. it's a crystal shop. 
that happens, yep. right? These are the people that are interested uh, yep. for, for multiple reasons, right? Yeah. I mean, not just aesthetics, but, you know, um, I think that, you know, there's obviously been an increase over the pandemic and, and mm-hmm. interest in spirituality, which is what happens when everyone gets trapped inside and scared for their lives and everyone yeah. they know is dying and et cetera and so forth. Um, you start looking for meaning and purpose and stuff. Okay. So, yeah. right. And so it's just a good one that is attractive to that demographic of kind of like, you know, teenage girls mm-hmm. and they need something too, you know, like they need yeah. that. And so um, there's a lot of that. There's um, really, it's, it's quite diverse actually, really. Um, I can't narrow it down yeah. much more than that. Yeah, we get a lot of different people and we get people that come in because they see the word crystal and like they're 70 years old and all they know is they think that we sell um, like fine china or like like plates and like <laughs> the crystal glass, you know, where and they just come in very confused. That That's funny. too. <laughs> More yeah, that's kind of funny it's kind of cute kind of funny but kind of funny kind of funny um with just the location how you're saying it's a little more of a smaller area do you guys mm-hmm. get some people that are disrespectful coming in just because of the type of area it is or do those people just generally avoid it you know i i guess they generally avoid it because we that's actually good. i know right um well i'll tell you this story and this might make you understand a little better why this is duly surprising to me mm-hmm. which is when i was younger we had one metaphysical shop around the entire area we have a college town not too far away called carbondale where southern mm-hmm. illinois university is and there was a little shop there called the country goddess mm-hmm. and That's a cute name. it it was and it was a cute shop and um really friendly nice place good vibes and she was harassed a lot over there at that oh. time at that time and this was this has been quite some time ago. yeah this is you know probably 15 years ago mm-hmm. um she was harassed a lot i know but it came to a real head because a woman who was obviously quite mentally ill came in and literally doused her with gasoline <gasps> and attempted to set her on fire unsuccessfully and that was the last straw for her obviously she yeah. just was like okay um we're done here and you know uh, <laughs> of course <laughs> and so with that as kind of the <laughs> attitude towards this stuff yeah uh, his- historically i have been you know trepidatious but we have yet to have anything um like that happen at all any uh, you know harassment at all mm-hmm. happen and we're hoping to keep it that way even though we seem to be getting in ton- kind of a spooky satanic panic moment here yeah um it really has you know and so i'm, I'm hoping we we maintain <laughs> that course um mm-hmm. but you know so far so good so yeah so, so thankful to say that's good because there it I've heard some stories and just in general, if like the idea of being in an area where alternative views or spiritualities can, can be a little dangerous for some people. Like you said, like different parts of the country can be in a weird 
reawakening of a satanic panic and with yeah. just other things that are going on in the world and with her own country. I don't want to get into that because that's a whole nother, Oh, no, I know. Yeah. Oh, that's a whole nother can of worms. <laughs> um, but if people are paying attention, we can notice that there is a tension. It's interesting to see how just with how during COVID things can be so crazy, how it's like just with TikTok and social media, because like you said, people are at home they're looking for answers and if what's work wasn't working for them before they're looking for new answers or just they're trying to see what might make them feel better if whatever mm-hmm. else wasn't before but then all of a sudden you get the wave of the witchcraft or the love and light and the wicca and then it drops for a little bit and all of a sudden it's like going to the complete opposite because of very many different social reasons and we're seeing like a complete different wave of craziness from mm-hmm the love of what the crafter of various parts of crafter spirituality to the complete people are running for the hills because now they're terrified because they're in a community or they were always a part of it. And they're just afraid of the eighties and nineties rolling back around. Mm-hmm. No, it's uh yeah, exactly. And it, it's just a, a, a weird moment in tension in this country in general and of separation. And it yeah. just, yeah, it's a little spooky, but um, we're hoping that uh, it kind of passes over quickly, which yeah, I've noticed. Well, I'm I'm saying that because it's a trend that I've noticed a little yes. bit. Things from the past tend to crop back up, but they don't kind of do this extended tenure. They just sort of they come up for a while and they kind of come to a little head and they go. But ever, yeah. but just you know, y'all, just be careful. That's all. Yes. Just be careful and mindful because, you know, there's no reason to get hurt mm-hmm. or harmed over your beliefs. Yeah. Um, so just, yeah, please just, you know, keep, keep an eye out, keep an eye out, keep your eyes open, be safe. Yeah. Be I safe. made a tweet last night. It was either last night or this morning where it was like, just because like we are like protected and you can technically be a witch and everything. I can't remember exactly how it works. Like you still need to be careful who you trust and who you're online, because mm-hmm. even if you're open to like your friend group and your family, doesn't mean every stranger needs to know you're a witch. doesn't mean every nice person you meet is going to be a witch. If it's a witch mm-hmm. or a Christian or someone of a different background or faith, or even just atheist or agnostic, people can still try to hurt you. Just like that one mm-hmm. lady at the shop, this person who was, most likely mentally ill or whatever their perspective of the world and what was going on yeah. to them. Well, if you, if you throw, would, fire. yeah, if you throw gasoline on somebody, you are officially, yeah. there's something going on there. Yeah, um, exactly. so, so that's where I'm at. But um, yeah, I think, you know, part of if protection, it's just harassment of, or physically like being hurt. Yeah. I think that, Part of protection is discretion. Yes. So just kind of remember that. Um, Pay attention to your gut. Pay attention to your intuition. Mm -hmm. And think about what information you're giving to what people at what time. Yeah. Uh, just, just, just be aware and follow, yeah, follow, follow your intuition. That can be very easily turn into just being your general caution. Because like 
don't post when you go on vacation on social media. Someone can break into your house. Right. Don't yeah. be posting that you're going to a Wiccan or a Satanic or just any sort of spiritual ritual in the <laughs> middle of your Facebook page that grandma's church friends can see. Right. Some problems might happen. Definitely. So just, just just chill out sometimes if you're in a particular safe private group that's cool with your own friends or just making a Halloween joke. If you can disguise something as a Halloween joke, that might work. We're getting to that year where we can kind of make our spooky jokes again publicly. But still, um, people need to be careful. And that's definitely something that I really have been seeing over the past few weeks because of reasons um, just around the world in our country. But it's like it's not something you should stop being aware of either. No, not at all. There should definitely be kind of a a heightened awareness, but like not an anxiety, (laughs) if that makes sense. Um, And yeah, I just think, you know we're we're getting to a place where people are willing to believe things that are blatantly not true mm-hmm. and this is very much the sort of of thinking that can can really get people hurt for yeah. just who they are and what they believe yeah so please just be cautious and just yeah be aware be yeah. aware before we start wrapping things up is there anything that you would like to talk about uh, before we go or just anything that you think we might have skimmed over and you just kind of want to finish wrapping up or anything or just in general about yourself or your practice let's see you know um i didn't really have anything but something that comes off the top of my head is etiquette mm-hmm. um when you go into a store filled with very expensive fancy objects mm-hmm. there is a little bit of etiquette that i don't think people maybe always understand Mm-hmm. please when you go into a crystal store just like be nice first off because that should just be retail like that's not just crystal stores first of all like we're service workers too we're not ascended masters um we're just there doing a job um so be nice first off and be aware of that and please don't pick up heavy rocks without asking Please don't, you know, put your lean on glass cases. Don't put your hands all over glass cases because we we do have to clean that. Yeah. Um, we're not getting paid enough, so if you buy like two or three hundred dollars worth of crystals and I have to sit there wrapping them for ten minutes, a tip is nice. Yes. I'm not trying to be a jerk. I'm just saying we don't get paid that much. So if you know I sit there for ten minutes wrapping your crystals, it's nice tip your crystal person okay we're not authority figures yeah like we just work at a store okay um so we might we don't have all the answers or anything like that um we literally just work at a store mm-hmm. um i we're, we're happy to help you with you know as much as we can but you have to understand also that like we're on the clock Mm-hmm. You know, and we have a lot of other duties. There's a lot of stuff going on in the back. And as much as I would love to have a 30 minute conversation with you about some hyper specific thing about rocks or witchcraft, mm-hmm. and I would, I would love to have that conversation with you. I'm not trying to be rude when I kind of like detach from that. Yeah. But you're still working. There's a lot of stuff that, that's like going on in the back of the metaphysical shop. Yeah. That you just don't know about. And it's still very much a job, even though it's like a a cool job. You know what I mean? That's all. 
you know what I mean? Just be nice and like, you know, we are just regular people and don't bring in like five small children you can't control. I want your kids to come in and see the rocks. I do. Like, I really do. But like when you're bringing in your kids and you can't control them, that like creates a very dangerous situation because I have like we have glass oh, yeah. glass choking hazards too run through oh it's just so many things right so like I want your kids to see the rocks I promise I'm not trying to be mean but like make sure that if you come into a shop like that that you have a little bit of control yeah it's you not a playground mean? it's not a daycare it's just not a, a yeah car. you know. I want everyone to have fun and I want everyone to see the stones. It's, it's cool. It is, you know, and you, we have a lot of stuff in our store and it's cool to look at. I, yeah. and, and I want everyone to see that, but you know, just be respectful. Like Maybe treat it like a museum a little bit. Don't touch it. A little you bit. really have to just a little bit. Yeah, a little just cautious, a little bit. Fragile things or like a China shop or an antique shop. Just be a little cautious. Yeah, that's all, you know? And, uh, I think that, that really is like, there's not a lot of etiquette and it's really, let's be honest, it's mostly yeah. common sense, mm-hmm. but sometimes it's just better to come out and say something plainly and be clear. Yeah. So those are a few of the things I see that, you know, maybe are a little pet peevy, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so just some things to be aware of if you're going into a store full of expensive, fancy rocks, right? Mm-hmm. And really, you know, I think that's about all that I really have to say. Um, I so appreciate this ability to, you know, talk and talk to you um, and kind of express some of the things, you know, that I (laughs) that go on in the metaphysical store. Mm -hmm. Um, And yeah, this has been awesome. Yeah, before we go, I did have some questions since you jumped on the topic of etiquette. Um, It just uh, reminded me of, are there any major red or green flags that are signs of a good shop versus like a shop you should probably avoid? Because there's some interesting people out there that could be, (laughs) I don't want to say scammers or grifters, but there are some shops that you can walk into either because they just haven't cleansed the energy or Mm -hmm. not, not every practitioner, every witch is you know, good or not saying they're not good, but like a little, not have the best. Energy. I, I don't want to say people are bad, but they're like, the <laughs> energy can are. be weird and sometimes they are. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. So I think first off, um, the dynamic of the workplace itself. Mm-hmm. Um, if, if, you know, if they're spending all day and they're sort of like arguing mad at each other, then that's, I don't care how many crystals you've got and how much sage yeah. you burn. Okay. It's not going to be, it's not going to be nice in there. Yeah. Um, there's going to be a, a residual just energy of stress and, and ick. Okay. Yeah. Um, so really one, it's, it's kind of on the shop <laughs> to create an environment where, their workers and the people that are there all day every day feel good um and if you walk in you feel that vibe then guess what (laughs) it's not one of those shops someone's someone's not being treated well and that tends to be due to a power dynamic right Mm -hmm. so that probably means that the owner is probably not treating their help well and that's not good Mm -hmm. we don't want that um i will say that for me though the biggest red flag is knowing what you actually have and knowing about it. And I mean that in, in this way, there is, 
metaphysical shop not i mean a few hours from us because it's the next basically closest one and they have a cool like stock of stuff yeah but they have some stones and some of them are just visibly fake you know Mm. malachite in particular okay which is a tough one i understand but it's actually not that bad if you look at it okay it's easily visually identifiable when it's fake almost always yeah i've never had a hard time discerning between that one some of them are a little worse but um and the thing is that that right there is an issue Mm mm-hmm because now I don't know if I trust any of the other stuff. Do you know what you're talking about? Do you know where you're getting this stuff? Yeah. Have you vetted this? You know, where are your morals at? Where Where is that, you know? And I don't want to get into the whole crystal ethics thing because it's a very... Yeah, it's a whole... It's a very... Yeah. I will say, I want, I want to shout out um, Kathleen Borealis, who's a friend on Twitter and stuff. She has a podcast as well. It's called Borealis Meditation Podcast, and she has an excellent episode on crystal ethics. A couple, I Mm -hmm. think. Um, And she is in the geology industry in some way, I believe. Um, She's extremely knowledgeable, and don't listen to me or anyone else. Just like, go listen to that podcast, and you will learn everything you you wanted to know or didn't want to know about crystal ethics. Um, okay. and, and suffice to say, it's extremely complicated. Okay. Yeah. Um, and it's not as cut and dried as any of us would like it to be because none of us would like to be selling stones that were unethically sourced. Let's just be yeah. real. like, no one wants that. Okay. But, yeah. um, so yeah, not, not, not to get into that, but just to get into the, do you know what you're selling? Is it real? And then what's really telling is when you're confronted and mm-hmm. you say, Hey, look, I'm not trying to be a jerk here, but I want you to know that that Malachite's not real. That's fake Malachite. Mm-hmm. And they just don't have a response to that and visibly do not care. Wow. That may, that would make me think if say, if like, say they have that, but then they claim they're like psychic or a medium or a tarot reader, or they have other <laughs> services that makes me question their validity or That's their true. knowledge on what they're trying to do. It's like, are you just trying to sell a card reading to sell a card reading? Or are you actually doing a reading? Exactly. And so because you can talk all fancy and pull words out of your ass that sound complicated, but just because yeah. you look and sound bougie doesn't mean you know what you're talking about. <laughs> no, absolutely. Um, you know, you you have to uh, be be honest with your with your clientele and be upfront with your clientele and be willing to, you know, accept. I mean, it's not even critique; it's just the truth. Yeah, if something's you know, fake, you, it's fake. Yeah, and and just you know, be be honorable. That's all. Yeah. Um, don't sell dyed agate for you know six dollars for a, a tiny tumble. Yeah, right. Or uh, home goods. See that all the time. It's pretty. I have a couple, but they're just for decoration. I'm not going to use it. But don't like you said, don't say it's real. And it's just disrespectful to your clientele. Completely disrespectful yeah. to your clientele. So, I think that for me is really the biggest red flag. Because, you know, once once there's a one thing that you kind of have demonstrated that you either really don't know about and are selling Mm -hmm. or just don't or, you know, even worse, don't care that it's not genuine. 
Um, that is a huge red flag to me for all the reasons. Mm-hmm. So that's that's really my like big big one. Um, but you know, I would say also um, having a preponderance of things that are obviously kind of just like made cheaply overseas. Mm-hmm. I understand having a little bit of that because yeah. there's people who they can't really, you know, that's what they can afford and that's what yeah. you can afford to sell them. And the, especially the, if it's requested. Right. Right. And, and so like, I can understand that and I can kind of be like, well, you know, all right, whatever, like people want it. It, it is what it is. I'd rather them buy it here than Walmart. Okay. Yeah. Um, but I think when that's your whole shop, then like that gets kind of weird to me. Yeah. Cause then I'm like, man, that's really like, you're just straight up just selling that. And it just doesn't feel, it doesn't feel super ethical <laughs> and it doesn't yeah, feel. Yeah. It's something you can get at a tour shop overseas for two American dollars, but, and it has, and then you're trying to sell it for $75 and it's literally just painted gold and it's yeah. plastic underneath. Like, okay. yeah. So I, I think stuff like that um, is is more like the red flag for me than, yeah. than sort of like vibe. But mm-hmm. obviously that that also counts for Good a lot. Good business right? practices and depending on the vibes and everything else that gives off can make a difference. Absolutely, yes, one hundred percent. I think I think that's really my big red flags for that. So watch out for those for sure. Yeah. Also, just like being super, just not really caring at all about like the the sort of cultural appropriation aspect mm-hmm. um are they selling just like massive quantities of white sage or you know and 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 that's when i i understand that there's nuance to these conversations but i think yeah. like y'all y'all understand what i'm saying mm-hmm. and y'all have probably been to that metaphysical shop so um yeah. you know just just maybe like chill out with that a little bit you don't um, need to put on a show yeah definitely not and definitely not to be seen as something you aren't um, it's it's strange so yeah. yeah i think those are the big ones other than that you know just kind of feel the vibes common sense yeah i okay. think so great okay so while we wrap this up how about you tell everyone how they can either find you online on twitter instagram or how they can maybe follow you if you're interested in them kind of reaching out or just following your content that you post and just tweets and yeah. chilling Absolutely. I definitely do most of my posting on Twitter mm-hmm. and I am so ill, so strange on Twitter. I am so ill, so strange on Instagram. I'm a little less active on there, but if you want some funny witchcraft related and sometimes not witchcraft related memes in your story, then it's a good place to go, I guess. And uh, I do have a Facebook too, but to be honest, it's really just more for the like what i do at the shop and, yeah. and for locals and and honestly it's been pretty neglected so really twitter is my big outlet so if, if you want access to my delirium that is uh the place to get access to it come see me awesome well thank you so much for coming on the podcast dalton absolutely thank you so much for having me fauna this is great yeah, awesome. Thank you so much again. So everyone, it, like you said, you can reach to him on Twitter. It's probably the best spot. And if you have any questions for me about what we talked about or just anything in general, you can send me a message on Instagram, Twitter, and you can also send me an email. And we do have the Facebook page and the listeners group. So follow the instructions on Instagram for that because there are some steps you have to follow. 
I have actually recently had to deny a lot of people because they are either not answering all the questions or just not answering the questions in general. And if you feel like it was a mistake and you did and you were hearing this, please message me because sometimes Facebook is a little wonky and sometimes it won't show the answers even if you did uh, fill them out. So if that was your situation, please reach out to me and just kind of let me know and I'll kind of clear that up because I know that does happen. So otherwise, I appreciate every single one of you guys and I will talk to you next week. Have a great one. Blessed be.